hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies Welcome guys to the new episode of Everyday Talkies. We're back with another episode of Guns, Jumps and Steel. This is chapter 10, so 11th episode. It's called Spacious Skies and Tilted Axes. We'll get to know more about that, but first let us welcome our co-host Pushkar. Hello. Hello. See, I got that in one take. Yes, yep. Yeah, for people who will be listening to this, you have no clue what happened. Yes, welcome back to our uh, amazing review series of uh, Guns, Jumps and Steel. But yeah, this is the last chapter in the second part of this book that is called the Rise and Spread of Food Production, and then we'll move from food to guns, germs, and steel. So you know, there's lots of exciting stuff coming in uh, for you from next episode. But don't skip ahead. Don't just go to the next episode because this is actually a very interesting one. Like this is something which you thought that you should know, but you didn't, or you were just learning about it completely new because you didn't pay attention in school. But before all of that, let's recap the last. 10 episodes that we did for people who are joining us for the first time and yeah i think people who are joining us for the first time or are concurrent listeners don't worry you don't have to read the book um you can join us and basically read along with us and understand from what we are to say yes you can become armchair historians by listening to us okay so for people who are joining us for the first time we started with this book called guns jumps and steel by jared timer obviously you should know by now it's a short history of everybody for the last 13000 years and it started with this peculiar chapter called yali's question where i think one of the politician in new guinea where the author was situated and he was researching he said you know why do these europeans have like too much cargo that means you know too much good stuff now whatever stuff stuff can include all guns germs and steel so basically yeah why are we just hunter gatherers or you know farmers that is the question that we are trying to answer through throughout this entire book that is i think as pushkar rightly put it it is the question for jared diamond's thesis uh, as we move forward to the first part of the book where he talks about how humans developed from 7 million years ago up to 13000 years ago but it is important for us to understand where we started you know where did first modern humans came in from africa eurasia then migrated to australia then americas and all of that once all of that happened then we learned about the two i think most exciting chapters that is the natural experiment of history which was i think the maori and the moriori collision in south australia uh, in the small islands and then we had the collision at kahamarca that was i think spaniards coming into peru and you know how were they destroyed there and again basically these examples prove that how certain civilizations who had a head start for certain reasons had more powerful guns germs and steel which helped them use up other lands and then we i think come at the major reason why certain areas developed or prospered more that was food and how did food come up initially we were hunter gatherers then we became uh, farmers and it did not happen overnight it was a transition phase both of them stayed together they fought together one usurped another one <laughs> removed another but yeah all of that and one key point which i always mention after this chapter was read was that all the food that we eat came from somebody's poop <laughs> <laughs> I think the second last chapter that we did that was mostly on you know whose fault was it was it the humans was it the animals or was it the plants that were to blame on how things developed in different parts of the area and I think it was a mixture of all of them and uh, the humans are not much to blame it was majorly nature's construct I think extension to that is today's chapter that is spacious skies and tilted axes so pushkar after such a long 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 recap uh, tell us what is this chapter all about so like this chapter really opened my eyes in a way um it kind of made me look at the world in a different way because i it's such an obvious thing that i never really thought of so if we look at a map of the world and we look at the major continents we look at eurasia will take as one continent africa and we look at uh, the americas so when we look at it if we draw an axis line 
for those there'll be a vertical vertical axis and a horizontal axis and in, in the case of americas and africas the vertical axis is bigger than the horizontal axis simply because there's just more distance to cover and uh, in the case of eurasia the horizontal axis is uh, bigger than the vertical axis and also if we talk about the placement eurasia has parts that are placed uh, in the tropical in the equatorial zone you know Uh, and the same is not it's not the same for africa or or americas americas especially you have that tiny little thing in panama that's the only place which is like exposed to the equator and the rest of the landmass is either way above or way below the most interesting thing that jared diamond not theorizes but more or less kind of concludes by uh, inferencing you know he uh, says that axis orientations affected the rate of spread of crops and livestock and possibly also writing wheels and other inventions so that is what this chapter is mainly about how uh, the axis of different continents how the distance of these axes how, how the axes they were placed um, on the globe made an impact and changing the way civilization spread across the different you know land masses in different ways let us deep dive into this so as pushkar mentioned that i think eurasia is the only odd one out which has a higher sorry a bigger horizontal axis other than the vertical one all of us who have been listening to us or if you have not been listening to the past episodes please go and listen there are references right it's a continuation book guys so we have been talking about fertile crescent a lot so pushkar do you want to brief everyone what fertile crescent is what areas come in fertile crescent well the fertile crescent is like a boomerang shaped um, area of the earth that uh, it that mainly covers all these iran iraq jordan uh, israel palestine all these areas and this is the area where that is Uh, said to be the first place where food production developed almost 8000 years ago around 8000 bc so that's 11000 years ago oh shit yeah is it oh yeah right right, right. it almost 11000 years ago yeah so what um, is interesting about the fertile crescent is that the fertile crescent sits almost like close to the equator right and it sits at a latitude which is um, which doesn't really change across eurasia so uh, the fertile crescent is in a place where if you go left or if you go right um, you know if you horizontally go any which way uh, you can go for a long way uh, without really changing latitude and that has a big effect on um, certain things like crops and uh, livestock because um, the earth is like shape the earth is it's such a weird cosmic thing that uh, the amount of sunlight that we get the amount of the seasons that we get the weather that we get is uh, common across a certain latitude and not you know at the top or the bottom so if we have a landmass that goes along this latitude one latitude where the weather is same all across uh, it makes sense that it would be easier for a domesticated plant somewhere on that latitude to grow all over that latitude which would not work the same way with uh, a vertical line because it's when the you know the earth is like colder or at the poles and it gets hotter and hotter as we come towards the center such a weird thing so a few corrections to what pushkar you know rightly said pushkar equator is nowhere close to the fertile crescent okay equator is below even india india only does not come इक्वेटर के आसपास पे ठीक है ना इक्वेटर इंडिया से नीचे आता है इक्वेटर सो इट्स ट्रॉपिक ऑफ कैंसर सो इन द ट्रॉपिक्स एरिया दैट वाज मेडिटेरियन क्लाइमेट ट्रॉपिकल क्लाइमेट बट द आईडिया रिमेंस द सेम सो मेडिटेरियन क्लाइमेट वाज द मोस्ट आई थिंक अप्रोप्रिएट काइंड ऑफ क्लाइमेट वेयर यू इट वाज इन द जस्ट अबाउट द स्लाइटली अबाउट द ट्रॉपिकल रीजन एंड इट हैड यू नो बैलेंस ऑफ वेदर एंड फर्स्ट क्रॉप्स ग्रो देयर एंड एज पुष्कर मेंशन राइट ऑल द प्लेसेस इन द सेम लैटिट्यूड सो आई थिंक फ्रॉम फर्टाइल क्रेसेंट टू चाइना टू जापान all of them lie in the same latitude they have the same more or less climate unless and until there are like, you know huge mountains something huge geographical features that obstruct that but apart from this in the same latitude the temperature will be same and i think this is so obvious which you know you correctly mentioned because we studied in class 6 or 7 geography right 
that all the places in the single latitude will have similar type of climate because that is how the sun rays fall on it jared diamond mentions a really funny line in there uh, regarding this um, that i really liked was he says wo betide the plant whose genetic program is mismatched to the latitude of the field in which it is planted which is i think a very succinct way of uh, making the point but yeah basically and it makes sense that um, because uh, it's so easy for these plants to grow uh, along the same latitude it makes sense that when uh, these plants are domesticated in the fertile crescent uh, they s- slowly st- started spreading uh, left and right across the uh, eurasian continent and the people who lived uh, on these areas on the continent of eurasia did not have to rediscover or redomesticate this plants because they already had these domesticated versions that could grow where they lived so it gave them an advantage over uh, food production and it gave them a head start over food production as compared to some areas in africa or some areas in the americas this one more interesting point that you know we all of should all of us should know that how did they even discovered like how did they even come to this conclusion that you know this was the reason why there was more spreading of plants and there was no domestication like people adopted it more in eurasia rather than north america and south america in americas and africas because what it was they sampled all the plants they did genetic sequencing of all of them and they found out that all the plants in eurasia share one single common heritage yeah common heritage of the seed that was shat out by some jew <laughs> absolutely true but whereas in if you see in africas or in americas we're talking about both north and south america um there was independent development of same type of plants so there was you know mixed hybrids and they could trace back to multiple ancestors yeah so there were like different types of corn different types of cotton that grew uh, all over americas and i also uh, learned that cotton was never actually uh, grown in africa or eurasia uh, all the cotton that we grow uh, originated in the americas which is uh, just so weird to think about like i could have never guessed that that is the important point here is that why is this distinction important that if multiple uh, ancestors are there it means that multiple areas grew crops independently and then finally you know due to globalization and all of that it came mixed so basically you can find food from around the world in your plate right now in whatever you are eating that's right So can you find that right because I like that line very much where he mentioned all the different types of foods that you eat in your day to day life he said a typical uh, american fast food restaurant meal would include chicken first domesticated in china and potatoes from the andes or corn from mexico seasoned with black pepper from india and washed down with a cup of coffee of ethiopian origin so just think about this normal meal that a person would have that you would have at mcdonald's and its origins that trace back to uh, almost every like you know distant corner of the planet so when you know it's it's hilarious when people talk about um, differences and uh, people not really getting along with other people from the other side of the world and this and that when so much of what we eat so much of what we consume is something that came from you know that uh, came from different parts of the world that is the entire point that he keeps on reiterating i think throughout the entire chapter and he gives us multiple reasons that you know how things developed because in in the earlier chapters we discussed that how even in china there was independent development of food items even though they fall under the same latitude the only reason it happened because obviously it's china so you have the himalayan ranges you have different geographical nations which you know changed the kind of weather so that is why they had to grow certain crops there were there were environmental barriers that uh, that hindered the uh, transportation of these things from uh, one point to the other i think it happened with china it happened with i think uh, somewhere in mexico as well but mexico again lies in the america so them it's more apparent right because on canada and the canada end you have the extreme cold weather then the panama area you are uh, looking at you know equatorial so full hot weather and then again you drop down towards argentina you know south of argentina you can have cold weather so there's so much variation so it is difficult for plants and then subsequently animals to migrate 
and if plants and animals are not migrated properly and there is no proper development it means the development of writing technology all of them are slowed down whereas that was not the problem with eurasia and obviously there is yeah. one more key factor here is that eurasia also had a you know one thing we need to keep in mind every chapter we talk about that eurasia had a head start 40000 years ago people migrated to australia but in the first cromagnons of the modern humans they came in Aust- Aust- sorry in eurasia a million years ago so they had the head start so they had time to migrate towards the entire uh, beast of the land it is the largest land mass and it slowly migrated everywhere again easy interpretation uh, or i think people mistake is from africa right because africa is one continent which has all the three lines passing through it so the tropic of cancer tropic of capricorn equator and we learned in geography that because it had such uh, like all the three uh, lines passing through it and such varied temperature so it had lots of variety and it makes sense it had a lots of variety and that was a downfall why uh, food did not spread across africa and that's like yeah it's so counterintuitive because what we learned basically that because there's so much variety there was so much crops that grew but that was not exactly the case the reason for variety was because climate was not homogeneous and there were multiple development so i think even in a area as small as south america sorry south africa right the northern part of south africa developed independently but the southern uh, south africa the southern south africa had no idea about these independent crops that were growing above they only got you know these crops when europe brought it to them i'm like this is hilarious it's like it goes to show that it's such a delicate balance you know that you you can't really be like stuck in just one part of the world but you also can't you know be in a way that you have three different lines that don't um, you know interact with each other at all so you know eurasia had this perfect storm of everything coming together in a way like just the way these continents split from pangaea and landed in the way they did determined so much of um, modern history as we call it i mean it's baffling to uh, think about you know i think we basically exhausted what the book says there are multiple examples where he corroborates this theory more and more and then there are certain exceptions to it obviously because uh, even in the north south axis in america there were certain areas food migrated because they land they were in the same tropical region and china was one exception to the idea where in the same latitude things did not migrate properly but apart from the small exceptions the theory holds true but i think you bring a nice point where the whole pangaea situation so everything that we do today right the land that we fight for today is just a matter of chance yeah and how we developed and how you know we say this as a developed nation i don't know it's just that nature had a role to play in it a big big role to play in it and we were not in control of it and we are needlessly fighting over it it's so weird to think about because uh, this whole idea of uh, tilted axis like determines so much of history in the sense that even the people so like the reason that uh, people have different skin colors across different um, you know different areas of the planet is because of this same thing like people who were in the equatorial or tropical region had you know darker skin because they were more exposed to the sun people who were not people who were living um, farther away from the equator uh, started getting lighter skin because they did not get enough sunlight also like you know as jared diamond mentions that um, certain people who lived in certain uh, latitude latitude regions um, had like immunity to certain diseases versus other people who lived away from the latitude who did not have those diseases because those germs did not uh, grow in that uh, particular latitude it's such a weird thing you know you know i'll tell you one shocking thing also which i just realized right now this latitude it goes around the entire earth right yeah it is evident that the temperature around is same and we discuss i think the Mediter- how mediterranean climate is like the birth ground of all crops do you realize i was just checking the world map it's open in front of me right now the fertile crescent area lies in the same latitude where united states lies okay and the thing is currently united states is the most you know you call it the developed nation of the world in whatever sense that might be and yeah. i feel this might have a big role to play in it what if 
the natural course of human history is that we find an area which is the fertile crescent uh, things go super rapidly because you remember there was in one chapter where he mentioned that if we uh, leave australia and there is no globalization right if we leave australia by the time 50 55 years they will have their things sorted out right they will be equal to us it's just that they are yeah. a few thousand years behind to us behind to fertile crescent let's keep that ballpark area now let's say that fertile crescent area is 3000 years ahead from the rest of the world right because of its initial plant growth now so what gradually happened was food developed religion developed and that is why you have so much conflict in that area and then you had civilizations developed you had prosperity renaissance period and all of that happened there and then currently we are saying that that area is the area which has the most which is in the most flux right which is in the most state of war so what what are you getting at like 3000 years later there's going to be another jesus in australia that is what i feel like 3000 years later we'll have such conflicts arising everywhere around the world and whereas fertile crescent area these area, these people either might be entirely devastated or they might evolve into some new people only altogether the basic like what my idea is or my like brain always goes to this weird um, theory is that see 11000 years ago the fertile crescent was the most uh well fertile part of the world but now with global warming you see temperatures rising everywhere right so as temperatures keep rising the tropical the equatorial part of the earth is going to become uninhabitable at some point and people are going to start moving towards the poles more and more because you know the ice is going to keep melting and maybe like say let's say uh, you know 1000 2000 years later the area of, uh, over the arctic pole and the the continent of antarctica maybe becomes the most prosperous continent on earth because that is the place where the uh, you know just the, the you have the correct amount of light and the correct amount of heat and the correct conditions for the civilization to prosper you know that's where that's where my head goes to uh, you know who knows it's mars also right because in in the polar regions there are more uh, possibilities of water and so that's why it's easier to land there set up habitats there there are some theories here and there might be a way looking at that maybe thousands of years in the future or who knows given the rate global warming is going and if people don't calm their horses down Ah, uh, things can go out of hand. Yeah, calm your horses. Switch to Tesla or any electric cars. We don't uh, promote Tesla. Has not paid me any money. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. That's true. But Pushka, let's move on with the rest of the chapter. What else is there? I mean, we've pretty much covered everything. I think the whole chapter is pretty much about the idea that food production spread as rapidly as it did involved Earth's axis or the continent's axis. Uh, more than it did the people it's not that the people were willi- not willing to you know travel and uh, spread their civilization it was just that there were environmental barriers and there were other factors that stopped them from expanding over time and they they kind of the the domestication of plants had to like start over and over in different areas of the world whereas in eurasia it it happened once and it spread out uh, rapidly and that kind of uh, snowballed into you know the creation of the wheel and writing which um, you know uh, enhanced the spread of these things because you did not need to domesticate it so you just had to like keep on spreading it and uh, that's how you know like more complex societies and systems were created and uh, that kind of led to the shit show that we live in right now well and you can relate this i think more easily like this right people crave familiarity because you know why spend extra energy in surviving in a new environment where you can find similar environment so you know whenever you go to a new place there is a constant i think affinity if you find somebody from your place right so when i went to bangalore for the first time you know i initially i like i initially identified people who who are from kolkata and you know i initially made friends with them and then i found out they were as stupid as i am so then i found pushkar people glad for me but then it's just too much uh, praising that i'm doing like, i don't know why 
This book obviously goes into like all these different parts of why Africa did not coalesce into this one giant continent the way that uh, Eurasia did. Uh, but I think the biggest hindrance that this created, this uh, Africa existing on three axes and there the people of Africa being isolated from each other, the biggest problem I think um, it later created was. Um, you know when the europeans arrived in africa for the longest time you know um, eurasia because it developed um, writing and it developed all these uh, methods of you know arts and uh, culture you could say you know these these methods of uh, living in modern society and existing via stories and all these things it became a thing of like africa became this kind of enigma for the eurasians it's it's weird because civilization started in africa but the eurasians over time forgot that that had actually happened and they looked at africa as some like weird strange mystical land of like uh, strange creatures and evil things and whatnot and you know that kind of uh, later snowballed into the transatlantic slave trade because you know africa did not have uh, some of the maybe the resources that it's not that they had, didn't have resources but africa somehow weirdly became the place that their biggest resource was people and so that kind of snowballed into the transatlantic slave trade which then you know um, went into america and that kind of built up the whole idea of modern united states as we know it like you know there is there is a line in um, one of my favorite movies called uh, blade runner 2049 so the line is that every leap in modern civilization was was made uh, off of off of the back of a disposable slave force what you said right now ki like the us being as powerful as it is partly it is due to the fact that they made so much of their money uh, off of the back of um, slaves that were uh, brought there and that is another matter entirely because then what happened in africa was the dutch came uh, then the french came and uh, and then the british came and you know they all um, had their own colonies all over africa and that kind of led into a weird weird civil war because it wasn't like india where the portuguese were just uh, you know uh, limited to goa and the french were limited to pondicherry and the rest of it was just british it was like africa was properly you know a lot of it was french a lot of it was dutch a lot of it was uh, british and that uh, snowballed into more wars that were fought on these empires behalf by people of african descent which uh, again uh, created more problems and what happens is when white people colonize a country and then decide to leave they kind of mess it up even worse and put someone in power who absolutely should not be in power and that kind of creates another host of problems of you know you have dictators corruption and in case of africa people did not even leave so uh, some people that did not leave started the apartheid which was a whole uh, 
another uh, you know the piece of shit racial discrimination thing and yeah it only ended as uh, as recently as i think 1986 and even now there is like a whole host of other problems that plague africa besides just you know germs and you know natural calamities so it's yeah it's it's a whole shit show and for people who are wondering who these khosian people are the khosian people are exactly the natives of south Af- uh, africa they were the indigenous people just to give yeah, context like, for what- <laughs> I, I think Anshul wanted me to talk about something else, and I just went on a completely different rant. See, it all ties up to the same thing, right? So the point which I made basically is a precursor to the things that happened later on, which you clearly described. And that's the part of history I think that's going to be interesting. Like as we reach the end of this um, long and grueling uh, journey of the food production uh, cropping up in civilizations, now we get to the part where um, one man shitting out seeds, how it snowballed into. a whole uh, host of wars and famine and uh, disease and plagues and yeah well, the next chapter that we are covering is the lethal gift of livestock so that's germs and uh, well no better time to review that chapter when we're in amidst the pandemic because somebody ate a bat so well <laughs> uh, let's understand how the hell did we come to this and why are we sitting yeah. here today uh, with that i know it was a, a bit of depressing right? you know it's we just learning we need to know about the history so that we don't repeat it in the future we have been seeing that multiple times we are optimistic and if you think this end is too depressing then the start of the next episode is very cheerful so just go <laughs> listen to that uh, yeah true till then thank you guys for listening to this and supporting us or you can listen to us on i think now all the platforms even indian platforms go buy us a coffee or yeah buy me a coffee buy me a coffee.com/everydaydoggies for directly supporting us uh, till then thank you guys bye bye and uh, stay tuned we'll catch you back again bye <laughs> Stop <laughs> I thought we were done. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.